Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for liberty? Aren't you glad you can go free today? Amen. Aren't you glad that you can worship freely in his presence? Oh, hallelujah. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. We thank you, Father. Today, Lord, we worship you and we give you praise, Lord, for thou art worthy. Oh, God, what a thanksgiving to know that we have been invisibly united with the bridegroom. The bride and Christ united together by the baptism of the Holy Ghost, sealing us into the kingdom of God. Well, what a wonderful thing, Lord, that we can say that we have been united with you. Lord, today, there's not a one of us that has to remain in any kind of prison. Prison of sin or prison of sickness. Because you have set us free. And he that the Son has made free is free indeed. Lord, we're thankful that you made us free. We thank you, Lord, for that glorious liberty we have in Christ today. And the place that you have us standing at. Lord, as we come to worship you and give you praise. And but more than that, but to come in obedience to your word, Lord. Surrendering ourselves to you and your divine will. We're asking for thine anointing today, for without it, we're helpless, Lord. But Lord, if you just come and anoint the word, you just speak. We just want to move in the flow of the Holy Ghost. We don't even want to have to think about what we're saying, but just the Holy Spirit, just putting the words in our mouth. Lord, speaking out words of eternal life, words that will break fetters and break chains of darkness and unbelief off our lives and set your people free. I pray, Father, that you know every need that is here, everyone who is gathered with us today, the burden that is on their heart, the questions in their life, the thing that they're asking for an answer for. I pray that you will just do something wonderful today and reveal yourself to them personally. Lord, take us over and speak. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You'll turn with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 20. So good to see each one of you today in the house of the Lord together. Pray that his blessings will be upon you in a very wonderful way today. And God will speak to you through his word. And uh, trust you had a, hope, a happy Thanksgiving and gathering together. Um, and exercising what freedoms there are left here in, in America today uh, as um, rules are being made up right and left about what we can and cannot do. But anyway, we're here, and we're here to, to glorify God and to celebrate the liberty that we have in Christ. Amen. So God bless you for coming and being with us today. Verse 20 of chapter 11 of Mark and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Then I would like to go down to Revelation chapter 10. We'll read from verse 8 there this morning as we look into the precious word of God and its eternal truths. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And that's why we're speaking today on under a mandate to speak. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. Brother Branham said something very striking that I thought was very noteworthy to mention this morning. In the message, Perseverance. He refers to the scripture that we have read. If you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you've said will come to pass, you can have what you say. And then he said, now I've said it, now let it be done. It is written to be spoken. I have spoke it, let it be done. And as we think of that, uh, those words to me are really profound. It is written to be spoken. It's not written just to collect in a book. It's not written just for you to memorize. But it is written for to be spoken. Jesus gave us a mandate to speak that when he told us we should speak to this mountain. And we as a church of course, have journeyed a long ways from this scripture. Uh, For the early church was birthed by the word. They cast out devils by the word. They healed the sick by the word. They saved souls by the spoken word. They were mountain-moving believers who operated with full authority as sons of God standing on the brink from going from mortal to immortality. They were literally born speaking the wonderful works of God in all languages. These newborn believers were born speaking in other tongues or other languages. And they were declaring the wonderful works of God. They were not just muttering um, nonsense or phrases that are in, unintelligible. They were, but they were actually declaring and, and, and speaking of the wonderful works of God. And they were doing this in all languages. Now, I, you know, I've kind of had this in my, on my, in my heart and on my chest for some, for some services. And, and, and if I bring it up again or again or again, 
I, I, I just believe it's something the Holy Spirit is wanting to emphasize to us. But, um, you know, we, we have been on a long journey since the day of Pentecost. And the church has went through seven ages as, went, as typed in the scripture by seven churches of Asia. And that there were seven uh, angels to, that, to those churches. And, and of course, each one of them receiving a portion of the anointing of that one spirit as seven spirits of God would come to anoint those messengers in their day and their time. And yet, in this journey, we, we know that it's been typed as Jesus and his parents went up to the feast of Passover, and they left him there, and then they went on a journey without him. And so as the church in their journey, they left him, not, at, not just at the Passover, even though we could go back now to the Passover and Pentecost and Calvary and the day of Pentecost, and, and just say that in, in the journey, their journey, we, we, the church has left Christ at Pentecost. And Luke chapter 2, verse 44 says, but they supposing him to be among their company when a day's journey and they sought him among their kinsfolks and their and acquaintances. And we have we went way more than a day's journey. We have went for now 2,000 years that the church has journeyed from the day of Pentecost. And I wonder today, and I, and I don't want to be vindictive and, and, you know, and even though some of my words may seem a bit harsh, it is just to bring us to a recognition of our need of Jesus. That we need him more than ever. And that he's missing today. He is the missing element in most of religious circles today. And, and Jesus, yet he's the most important thing, but, but people are just supposing that Jesus is somewhere in their churches, and he's really not there at all. His signs are not there. His wonders are not there. And finally, his silence has become definite until they uh, go looking for him among their kinfolks. The Bible said they sought for him among their kindred. And, and, you know, we could ask Azusa Street, have you seen Jesus? No, we, we haven't seen him since we took tongues as our evidence. And, you know, we still speak in tongues, though, but we can manufacture them anytime we want to. But no, we haven't seen Jesus. His signs, his wonders, his movement is not among us. We ask uh, the divine healing movement. No, he was once here. He healed our sick and he opened the eyes of the blind and made the cripples walk. But while we were arguing about who had the biggest tent and the best magazine, Jesus went quietly away. We, we haven't seen him and, and his miracles have ceased among us. Yes, the Methodists, no, we, we haven't seen them since the days of John Wesley when they shouted and fell out in the spirit. He was here then, but we hadn't seen him in a long time. You know, we, but, but we don't need him. We have both the gays and women in the pulpit. We have gay marriages and beautiful liturgy and beautiful uh, formal religious worship. 
So we have, we have been so involved with that, we haven't missed him. You know, we, we hadn't noticed that he's not here. You know, Brother Branham saw this in a vision um, when he saw the mountain of the great bread of life and he saw this great mountain before him and a door was opened into that mountain and he says he stepped in it. He walked in through the door and was met by a woman who had a garment that might have been snow white at one time, but now the garment was very spoiled and soiled and, and she she asked him, this woman asked, are you Bill Branham? And he said, I am. She said, well, I'm Miss Methodist. And, and he said, well, I, I, then I asked her, well, why, are, uh, why the spots on that lovely white garment? And she replied, I've been so busy. I, and I said, to her, that's right, you Methodists have so many organizations and societies in your church that you have much time for the Lord. And then, then again, um, he, he looked over to his left and he saw a small heap of smooth baked bread and there were white fowls that were standing near and they wouldn't eat much of it. And the Lord said to me, do you know who, do they know, you know them? And he said, no, that's your tabernacle and they won't eat the bread of life anymore. You see, you ask some of the message churches then, have you seen Jesus? No, we haven't even missed him. We have been so caught up with following personality cults that we haven't noticed he isn't around today. You see, we, you know, we, we um, think we have the Holy Ghost without sensation. So no, we haven't seen him and we haven't heard him and we have not felt him you know, ever. It's been quite a while since we've seen a Holy Ghost move. And anyway, he's just a mystery that we preach. And Branham Tabernacle, how about you? Have you seen Jesus? And Brother Branham would say and answer that in God's chosen place of worship. My friends, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm responsible for a message. And that message is come out of this mess. And I ask you to come out. And where am I going to take you to? When I take you to the Branham Tabernacle, it's as much fault as the rest of them. But there's one place I can take you to where that you're safe and you're protected from death. And that's in Jesus Christ, God's place of worship. And that's the place that I'm introducing you to tonight where God put his name, where he promised he would meet every person that come in there. He would worship with him and, with, and feast with him. That's in Christ, not no church, no tabernacle. As Sister Collins saw in her dream, and this has been, this is told in Sirs, is this the time? But she had a dream that Brother Neville, as the ministry was serving a wonderful meal in the church, serving dinner in the church. Dinner's the evening meal. And it was the best food she'd ever seen. And she was hungry, but she thought that he shouldn't serve it. You see, no one was to be allowed to preach but Brother Branham. So they left and went to the, wire, to the ranch house. And, and when, the, you know, when that kind of attitude came in and Branham a tabernacle, the light went out on the right side. And sadly, the light is still out. You listen to the warning that was given to them in a deceived church by the world. 
And this, this again is not vindictive. Of a, of a certain church. I'm talking about the message community in general. Because too often in our churches, he is missing. He is absent in the worship. There's no joy in the church. There's no shout of the king. Amen. Even his gifts that he would send is not welcome. Amen. Healings is almost non-existence. And, and preaching is being done against even the least of the gifts, speaking in tongues. And I don't know what you have to worry about. Most have never spoken tongues. And Brother Branham said there to them in a deceived church by the world, he said, Branham Tabernacle, worldliness is creeping upon you. What about it? Have you exposed your secret? Have you exposed that secret that God gave you when you were wallowing there in the sawdust a few years ago? Have you let it creep out in formal worship? What's happened to you? God can come right down and perform a miracle and go right through the audience and tell people the secrets of their hearts and everything and heal the sick and afflicted and do signs and wonders and preach his word as hard as it can by the Holy Ghost. And people say, well, I guess that was all right. We enjoy listening to it once in a while if we're not too tired. That's Branham Tabernacle. The Philistines is on thee. When it used to be the preaching of the word and the old saints with the tears in their eyes would rise to their feet and walk sobbing, maybe not saying a word, just walking around two or three times and sat down so filled with the Holy Ghost. The word fed them. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Philistines is on thee, Branham Tabernacle. Philistines is on you, Pentecostal. Of course, the Philistines got the rest of you a long time ago when you organized yourself so tight. Nothing could come in unless you was a Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, or something. You wouldn't have nothing to do with the rest of them. So revival in our day, how can we have it when the regular revival giver is bound by the world? God won't come in where the world is. You just depend on that. You associate with the world, and that's all of it. And then when you let the world creep in, you go to acting like the world. And then you're finished. But when you cut loose every fetter from the world, and you come to God, God will use you until you go to flirting again. Here's the only hope that I have this morning to wind up my message is this. While Samson was bound, a new shock of hair grew out. I'm glad that there's some kind of hope that we can look to that somebody in this age is going to find Jesus. That he won't be the neglected Christ. He will not be the one sitting with unwashed feet. But he will be welcomed and honored and accepted in the house of God. Sadly, on the, the, the people on the journey, they've never seen him, let alone missed him. And I, Brother Brandon would say, I feel sorry for the people today. Many thousands of people in this nation that's belonged to dozens of different churches trying to find where Jesus is. They go down to one certain church, they check there. They go to another, they check there. They find out something's wrong. They don't act like and believe like and worship like. There, there's no sound of the king in the camp. There's no joy. 
And he says, I might say this, if there was one thing I find in the Pentecostal people that makes me believe they're certainly outstanding Christians, it's not because of their speaking in tongues or the, or the signs of divine healing, it's the joy that they have. They just have no embarrassment. They just let their hair down their hair and start to rejoice because there's something they're, they're not ashamed of. And that makes me believe there's something outstanding about them. They're not ashamed. They just soon shout out there in the street as they would in the church. And, they, and if a hundred people are there laughing at them, they wouldn't stop a bit. They'd continue on shouting joy. Find them on the mission field, starved to death almost. I've seen them with no shoes on their feet, living off of 30 cents a week, preaching the gospel, brother, just as happy as you are coming to the church in the limousine. They're happy for they found something. Yeah. That means more than creed, denomination, or church affiliation. They found what it takes to bring joy. And a Christian should be happy. We, we were prayed for that our joys might be full. That was Jesus' prayer, you remember? It's something about it that's real. Now, if we lost that joy, if we lost those things, if we can't find them among our kindred, we can't find them, then there's one thing to do. And let's go back to where we left him at. Amen. And the church should go back to the beginning where they left him because that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They left Jesus at the Feast of Pentecost. And that's where Mary and Joseph left Jesus. Now, let me say this with all due consideration, respect. That's where both Catholic and Protestants left Jesus at the Feast of Pentecost. And you can't find him searching around here through creeds and denominations. The denomination and creeds all should go back to the beginning. Amen. That's where the church will find him again. You go back to the Feast of Pentecost. You go back to the pouring out of the Holy Ghost. And there you'll find the power of Almighty God. And you'll find a risen Christ. You'll, you'll find signs and wonders of him just exactly like he said he would be. Amen. You've got to go back to where you left him out. Go back to the beginning. That's why there needs to be a return to a real upper room experience where men and women stagger under the influence of new wine. Why, there ain't enough grapes or fruit on the vine to, maybe, to even make new wine today. Amen. This is the deal. Jesus said very clearly in John 15, he said, you are the vine, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And the branch comes out of the vine, and they wrote a book of Acts behind it. Amen. They had power to heal the sick. They spoke with tongues. They interpreted. They had visions. They had prophets, power. They'd done great signs that Jesus did. And if the first branch come out of that vine was that kind of a branch, the next branch that comes out, it'll bear the same kind of fruit. Amen, because every branch it bears will be the same branch. Hallelujah, they receive energy from the root. Amen, I say let the root of David spring forth. Amen, let that branch spring forth. Amen, to produce the same fruits on the vine that the early church did. 
Because if we're going to be the branch that came out of the vine, we have to bear record of that branch. Amen. The first branch came forth was a Pentecostal branch. Amen. The people, and I'm, I'm just going to quote this from Brother Branham. He said, that first branch that came forth was a Pentecostal branch filled with the Pentecostal power. So impacted by the Holy Spirit till they staggered under the impact of the power of God. They went forth and they saw visions, performed and forth, uh, uh, performed miracles and opened the eyes of the blind, healed the sick. Joy was in the camp. They prayed with one accord and all of them assembled together until the building shook where they assembled together. Show me a church doing that today. Even the Pentecostal so-called is getting so dry why you have a little ceremonial prayer. I wonder what he'd say about message churches today. What an indictment would we get? He said, what we need is a prayer meeting that are shake the shingles off the top of the house and bring God back in the church again. Amen. Oh, my church, that's exactly what it was. It was a church filled with the Spirit. They healed the sick. They prophesied. They did great signs and wonders. They weren't ashamed of their religion. Amen. They shouted and danced under the Spirit like drunk men. Amen. And cloven tongues of fire sat down upon them, and, uh, and they began to speak in other languages. The Bible said, all languages under heaven, declaring the wondrous works of God. Amen. It's about time the church again, amen, declares and speaks again to every nation, to every kindred, to every tongue, declaring the wonderful works of God, that he's the same yesterday, today, or forever, that he's still alive among us, that he still heals the sick, he casts out devils, he still dwells among his people. Hallelujah. They've done signs and exploits. Amen. There was, there was that kind of a church at the beginning, and that was the kind that they were in the middle. That's the kind they're going to be in the end. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. But you know, again, today, that kind of God is missing. That kind of message that produces that kind of results is missing in too many churches. Dead churches with dead preachers given for dead sermons. And these dead sermons kill. Amen. Now, so where has the church been from for the past seven ages? They've been on a journey to get back to Jesus. And to get back to Jesus, it would take Malachi forward to turn us back to the faith of the fathers. Amen. Now, we know that we left as a church, as a church. We're not talking about evening light here. We're talking about a church, all Christendom. It left Jesus at Pentecost. And we know now we are living in the last age. And if this age doesn't get back to Jesus... Ain't nobody going to get back to Jesus because we're the last runners. We're the last ones of the race. And there must be a people get back to Jesus again. Get back to the real spirit of God and the power of God, not just in the pulpit, but in the pew. Power that is in prayer. Power that is in 
men and women's voices declaring the wonderful works of God where the manifestation of the Holy Spirit flows through them. Laodicea was, is to be, I'm quoting this from the church age book. Laodicean is to be the age in which the true church would return to being the bride she was at Pentecost. To do this, we know there must be a necessity, be a return of dynamic power. Now, if, we, if, you, haven't, if you haven't returned to continuing the book of Acts, if the dynamic power is not there, you're still on the journey and you haven't found him yet. Again, quoting from the church age book, which he references this scripture, the spirit and the bride say, come. Once more, the world will hear direct from God as at Pentecost. At Pentecost, men with the, filled with the spirit spoke as the spirit gave them utterance. I want you to notice it was not men saying whatever they desired, but the spirit was giving them utterance. Amen. It repeats in the last day when the spirit comes down with the open book and as he does, the silence is broken. Amen. And the mysteries are revealed and as the people receive it and eats it up and digest it, then they will do like they did at Pentecost. They'll be so filled with the spirit until they will prophesy again. Amen, amen, as the Spirit gives them utterance out of every tongue and tribe and nation and people to all the world. This is a mandate to speak. Thou must prophesy again. In the fifth seal, Brother Branham said this, and you know, I'm linking this with moving the mountains, spoken word. Third pull, the fifth seal, Brother Branham said, I, I believe, I'm not going to say it and speak it in his name, I'm going to speak it in the revelation of my faith. What happened in Sabina Canyon the other day, you know what that was? Was a sword. That was the word coming to a prophet. Amen. Here again, I believe that the hour is approaching when missing limbs will be restored. And the glorious power of the creator, I believe if he can make a squirrel appear that has no, and, and here is a man or woman just apart missing and not a complete animal itself. Oh, he's God. I love him. Now the prophet Isaiah, he screamed out in Isaiah 53 and 1, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Now, this may seem to be a strange connection with, uh, with these other scriptures that I'm bringing, but I want you to think of it like this. God is a spirit. And as a spirit, he has no arm. Amen. In Revelation, it depicts his sword being in his mouth. So it is the word of God that is in, that the arm of God comes forth in power and works through words. Amen. He comes out of God's mouth. His word is his arm. His word would become flesh in Jesus who would be God's arm of salvation. And it would be the spoken word, the original seed, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. 
by the word, the worlds were framed together by the word of God. Not with the sweat of the brow that was spoken from, from his mouth, but Adam dominated and controlled the earth. He dressed the garden. And by the God's powerful arm of the word, amen. And Moses did the same by that powerful arm of the word coming out of a prophet's mouth. Amen. It brought mighty Egypt to her knees. I want you to know it was because a man under the blood speaking. Are you with me? Amen. It was Adam, you know, before sin, a sinless man, before sin entered the picture, uh, 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 that was authorized to use the word to bring dominion upon the earth. By that word, he, he moved mountains. He, he, uh, he could move and, as, uh, trees. He could dress the garden any way that he wanted to by the word. Him being in harmony with God's word and God's plan. Are you with me? Now, but Isaiah is looking for somebody to believe. I want to say that again. Isaiah is saying, who hath believed our report? He is saying, who is it that believes? Amen. Who hath believed our report? For the arm of the Lord can only be revealed to those who believe. So until the bride returns back to the word and faith again, the arm of the Lord cannot be revealed in his power. No matter how great the word is and how dynamic it is and how power packed it is, it must have faith to operate that word. There has to be a connection. Now, so Isaiah was looking for somebody who has believed our report. I'm looking for someone to believe the report. If I can get somebody to believe the report, then to them the arm of the Lord will be revealed. All right. Now, Jesus spoke these words to Martha. Now, we'll go to Jesus, who was the arm of the Lord on display on the earth. Remember, again, we're speaking about the mandate to speak. And it's going to be demonstrated now through the word himself. And John, in John eleven forty, Jesus says these words to Martha. He said, said I not unto thee that, thou, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Again, the glory of God being seen, there is a requirement of somebody finding somebody that will believe it. Now, again, it doesn't matter how, how the word is restored in its purity and in its fullness. If God can't get somebody to believe, come on, amen, then the word will never be of any benefit. It's like gasoline stored in a can. It's got all the octane and all the power, but it has no dynamic to set it afire. The power is in the word, but it takes the faith, the spark of faith to cause it to come forth. Somebody in this age has got to start believing. Jesus pondered and wondered as he looked forward into this age, and he said, I wonder when the Son of Man cometh. Well, I find church members. 
Will I find great deep theologians? Will there be all great mysteries and, 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 and great teachings going on of these mysteries? Will I find faith? Will I find somebody to believe the report? Because only when a people starts believing. Come on now, church. That's why we got to wait Jesus in our midst. Because we got to start believing again. There's got to be a people return to faith and have an expectancy that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus said in John eleven forty. If thou wouldest believe, and I say to you, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Once again, to see God's glory displayed, somebody's got to believe. I hear Brother Branham describe Martha in the sermon, Uncertain Sound. And he said, first thing you know, little old Martha come running out there and said, Lord, oh, I like that. And if she, she titled him what he was. Amen. He was her Lord. If thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. See, but even now, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. There was nothing uncertain about it. Amen. And, then, and, and I want you to get a point here, and we'll elaborate it on in a minute. But no matter how much Jesus had the vision, no matter how much he had the word, come on. No matter how much he wants the word, somebody had to believe to see the glory of God. Amen. That's where the church must return back to the word in faith. And that way she will see the dynamic power of God. Somebody's got to start expecting God to move again, to heal our sick, to repulse cancer, to stop COVID in his track. Amen, you name your disease, you name your affliction, you name the sin. Amen, somebody's got to start believing again. There's got to be an expectancy. And with that expectancy comes a joy because when you expect him to move, there's a joy in your heart saying, I know you're going to do something. Whatever you ask God, God's going to do it. We're going to see the Spirit move. We're going to see the Holy Ghost act. We're going to see the dynamics come to the mechanic and make that word live. Brother Branham said that's where two positives meet. That when, that's when two omnipotence meets. When one omnipotence she had, she had omnipotent faith in Christ, what did she say? Whatever you ask God, it's unlimited. It's unlimited. Jesus, it's unlimited. She's confessing it before she even sees her brother raised from the dead. She's confessing whatever. You ask God, he will do it. Amen. She had omnipotent faith in an omnipotent Christ. We got an omnipotent Christ right here. It's the word. Come on. Amen. She had omnipotent faith in Christ, and Christ was omnipotent. See, she had perfect omnipotent faith in our infinite faith in Christ that he was the Lord. 
and knew whatever he asked God, God would give it to him. In other words, she said, you just speak the word. That's all you have to do. Whatever you ask God, God will give it all to you. You just speak it. Amen. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would speak. We've seen enough of man speaking. Come on, we've seen enough of the bumbles of man and the fallacy of man, but oh, that men and women can come again moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, that, uh, that's omnipotence, all-powerful, because he just said so, and he was all-powerful. That's when two powers, two omnipotent powers meets together. It's a contact then. Notice a connection. I want you to get this thought, a connection, a contact, a connection. When a lion has got here 150 volts and this has 150 volts and when they come together, you got 150 volts both ways. And when you get supreme power, when Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And you got supreme faith and that being the, the truth, you need a supreme God that made a supreme promise and a supreme result will come. Amen. Amen. Now, Brother Branham told us that as he pondered this scripture about speaking, if you say, not if I say, but if you say to this mountain, and he said he, he began to wonder, you know, and ponder, well, perhaps, you know, that was not in the atonement. This was before the atonement was even done. And, you know, so Jesus said these words, and now after the atonement, maybe it's not effective. And the Holy Spirit dropped down and said to him, but that's in the atonement. I want you to know the power of the spoken word is not something new or added or just for William Brandon's ministry. Amen, but it was in the atonement. It's for everyone in the covenant. Under the blood. Are you with me? Amen. That's in the atonement for a man or if a man or a woman is so consecrated and surrendered to God that God just moves in and uses their voice. And it isn't a man speaking, it's God's that's in him speaking. Hallelujah. Because only deity could move a mountain, so it'd have to be God and the man speaking to the man. Amen. Not a human over here blabbering and going on and trying to work up something, but the Holy Spirit working preeminence with preeminence in a people till he has control of their tongue like he did on the day of Pentecost. And, they, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Are you ready to become a surrendered person? Amen. So surrendered and, and, and consecrated to God that God moves in and uses their voice. And it isn't the man speaking. It's God that's speaking in him. And he said, oh, I thought that's right. I'm going to just say, oh, that we could be a people that the Holy Ghost could speak through. He's going to have a voice. 
Amen. There's a voice of God. The spirit and the bride say. The bride is saying something. Come on, church. She is saying something. Amen. There is an utterance coming out of her mouth. She is saying something. The bride says something. Amen. Revelation, Revelation 10 and 8 shows us the bride is saying something. She prophesies. She utters under inspiration. She's speaking under an anointing. Hallelujah. And a mighty angel has come down. And an anointing has come down. It anointed a prophet. It loosed the seals. It broke the silence. It opened the book. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. But it did more than that. It empowers a people to speak. A people under the anointing. Not a people void of the anointing. Not ministry that is dry and just a theological exposition, but the word going forth in power. The gospel preached, not taught, but preached. And when it's preached, signs follow them that believe. I suggest you you pick a different sermon to go to sleep on this morning. Amen. The Spirit of God's trying to awaken you. Yes, sir. And he said, something said to me, what do you think? How do you see those visions and things on the platform? How do you see those visions out there? What is it? Do you think it's your own wisdom that you could predict something that would happen every time to the letter? Do you think that's you speaking? No, that's why he said, you know, that wasn't me speaking. That was him using my voice. And when he's speaking, that I'm the voice of God to you. Amen. Now, Brother Branham explains it this way. He said, well, you know, the, the Spirit is now speaking to him about his question, about the Scripture. Mark 16, or, or uh, Mark 11, 24. And, and, and here he's, he is, he's been, he's questioned God and said, well, you know, I, I never understood that. Maybe it's just before the atonement and God comes down and corrects his thinking. No, it's in the atonement. And he said, it's no different than when you speak under the anointing. And there you begin to tell people their name, their address. You think that's you speaking? That's me speaking through you. And, and, And again, it was the Spirit giving him utterance. Somebody with me? Amen. Now, so again... You know, he said, you've got yourself so completely surrendered to God. He explains this in, in, this, um, in this fellowship through uh, reconciliation of the blood. He said, someone with thousands of times, said thousands of times, Brother Branham, what does it mean when you feel your own life move away from you and something sets in and takes its place? He said, why, it's a fellowship. It's marvelous. You know that you're not yourself no more. You got yourself completely surrendered to God. And it's not you talking, it's him talking. It's not you doing anything. You're so happy to know he's doing it. And it's such a love about it till you can hardly contain your joy, hardly. And to, to know that God is doing something for the people. 
Now you think that that is for the prophet alone? But I want you to look in Matthew 10 and 19. For when they deliver you up, take no thought about what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. You're going to speak, but it's going to be given to you. Amen. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father that speaketh in you. Hallelujah. I'm preaching something that's a possibility to ever say. Amen. For the spirit of God to speak, to speak through individuals. Hallelujah. Amen. Even Brother Branham in the token, he said, you create such an atmosphere that when you speak to your son or your daughter, that wayward child, that they'll just, they'll just fall right into it. Why? Because it isn't you speaking. It is the Father speaking through you. Amen. A man or a woman surrendered to God. Listen, in my new ministry, we'll pick it up again. He said, what would you think sometimes the Holy Spirit gets in a message and you don't know what to say? What is it speaking then? What is it when a man will speak in tongues? He doesn't know nothing about it. What is it when one, one will interpret that same tongue? Neither of them knowing anything about it. It's the individual or, it's the, or is it the individual or is it the spirit of the living God? And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to them. He said, the Holy Spirit, tell him, Brother Branham, the Holy Spirit takes preachers over until the point that he will speak and don't, and don't even know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will actually utter through him. It's happened, Brother Joe, hadn't it? Had it happened, Brother Timothy, hadn't it happened, Brother Aaron? That's what we call the anointing. Amen. The anointing comes down and we say things that we never thought of saying. We never even understood before. It just flows right out. Amen. What is it he said when one will speak in tongues in a language he knows nothing about, another will interpret that same language. Amen. He said the spirit of God speaking, Brother Branham, now is it the individual or is it the spirit of the living God? And he said, that's true. It's God that's speaking. And all the church needs, I'll finish this next week. Amen. All the church needs. Do you want to know what we need to do this? Amen. He is a step closer to him of a more consecrated life to live with him. That's what Brother Branham said. We're standing under the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood has not only cleansed our sins, it's taken the seals off the book. It was done by a bloody lamb, by the work of an intercessor. And he said, we're standing under that blood under a complete atonement. And he said, that gives us, that empowers us to speak. Speak words of creation. Now, notice this, Patma's vision. He said, amen, cut every obstacle from human beings that they might be connected. What's this word again? Connected like in the Garden of Eden. Huh? Now, man, I was going to choke it, but I'm going to say it. Man is omnipotent. 
You don't believe that, but he is. A man fully surrendered to God is omnipotent. Did not he say in Mark eleven twenty two whatsoever things you say and don't doubt in your heart, it'll come to pass. You can have what you said. What happens when two omnipotents meet? When God and man comes together to omnipotence, something's got to shake. Amen. Whatever you say with that creative power of the omnipotence of God, knowing he promised it and he said in his word, it creates a power that goes out yonder and brings things to pass. Things that is not, it makes them as though they are because two omnipotence have met. Amen. Here again, Brother Bradham is showing you an example there with, with, with Martha. And he shows there Martha, her faith, omnipotent faith in an omnipotent God connected together. And when it did, it caused the creative power of omnipotence to go out. And a man that was dead in the grave four days rose again. Hallelujah. Because faith was connected with omnipotence. The omnipotent word, amen, and the omnipotent faith of a starter of God brought the two together and when the connection was made, the dead was raised. Oh, that a people's faith would be connected with the promise today. Come on. Amen. If you remember the story of Lazarus, in St. John's Gospel, let's just deviate for a moment. Let's just discover this a little bit about Martha. There, there, there for two days, Jesus had lingered beyond Jordan. He was urgently needed. They're back at Bethany where, where Lazarus was dying. He was fading fast. And you can imagine the tears that were flowing, not just because of the sickness and and the death of Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, but there was a heartache that was true in, in the hearts of, the, of the, those that believed in him because, because Jesus did not come when called. There was a delayed response on the part of their dearest friend. And the only hope that they had who never came, neither did he send any word. He was silent. But you see, we're in the days of the breaking of the silence. We're in the hour where the resurrected Christ comes walking among us, the I am. Come on. Oh, yes, he he was there in the prophet's ministry, but he's got to be here in the bride's ministry. Amen. Yet, yet there, and let me just say again, friend, his delay, the delay of his coming, it causes bitter tears to be weep. Amen. When people who love his appearing, they want to see him appear. They want him appear in the service. They want him appearing in their lives. They want him appearing in the songs. They want him appearing in the sermons. They must have his appearing. And when Jesus don't come, bitter tears should be wept from the church because he's our only hope. And we can only have joy when he's here because when he ain't here, there is no joy. The 
Yet Jesus is aware of all this. He's been aware too. He's been aware the church would go through seven ages. He's been aware in the last age we'll return to be the bride at Pentecost. He's aware it's the hour, it's the time. And we've already seen him in his appearing. Come on. Now, Jesus knew that sickness had become death. And he said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. And he had been silent now for days about Lazarus. And no doubt is a man. Remember, we preached last Sunday that Jesus not only God, but he was man. And as the man, he was communicating with the Father inside him so that he could do the Father's will. As a human, he had other desires. Amen. Come on. Amen. He would have to surrender those desires completely at Gethsemane and say, not my will, but thine be done. So he could show the human had a will, but God had a will. Oh, yeah, the new birth does not take away human will. You still have a will that's got to be surrendered up to God's will. Are you with me? Amen. So he, he knew. And Jesus had been silent for days about Lazarus. But he's about to break the silence. I want you to get it back again. We're in the hour of the breaking of the silence. Not only the silence of the seal, but again, a people who have been silenced, now speaking, prophesying again. Get these thoughts together as I try to weave them into one message and thought this morning. He'd been silent for days about Lazarus. And as a man, he was communing with the Father inside him. And Brother Branham said, if Jesus had to pray earnestly, how much more do we have to pray earnestly? And he said he prayed earnestly to stay in contact with the spirit that was in him. I wonder if that's not the failure of the church. They are not, they are not communicating with the spirit, the Holy Ghost inside of them. Amen, men and women should be led by the spirit of God, directed by the Holy Ghost, moved by the spirit. The Bible said in him we live and we move and we have our being. That is the life of a Christian, a people who are moved by the Spirit. Jesus now gets a vision because the Father had showed him. He knew now the purpose. Lazarus had died. He was not there, not allowed to, 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 to heal him, to go minister to him because this would show his messiahship and that he was Lord over the dead. And now once he knew, once he saw the vision, he starts out for the home of Mary and Martha and he knew now that God had granted him the life of Lazarus his friend, and he says, I go to awake him. Amen. 
Amen. Because, you know, and he says, and for this reason, I'm glad I wasn't there. You know, because I had to wait for the fulfillment of the vision. You, you see, I couldn't raise him up before time. And they would have been pulling on me and saying, pray for him. And, and their faith, was, but I have to find faith. Amen. Amen. There has to be so, uh, uh, someone that will connect with the vision. Oh, there can't be a people connect with this prophecy today in Revelation 10, 8 of a people eating the book and therefore prophesying again. Of people uttering by the Spirit, moved by the Holy Ghost. This resurrection of Lazarus, as I said, would prove he was Lord over the dead, that he was indeed the God of the resurrection. Jesus knew that the arm of the Lord would be made bare and laid bare and the power of the resurrection would be made known. This would prefigure even the dead in Christ rising. It would prefigure in some ways his own resurrection. And he had the power to take life up again. Yet still, after all the vision. Can I bring it to you? After all the prophecies, after all the promises in the word, amen, after the vision being given to him, he still must have the cooperation of someone's faith. There's somebody got to believe the report. Because it's only when people start believing that the arm of the Lord can be revealed. I'm not trying to preach that you believe that I can do it. I'm trying to preach to say that you can do it. That you can be the consecrated, dedicated, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled church. Moved by the power of God. Somebody has got to start looking at the promise with faith, with an expectancy. It was in Martha that he would discover this faith. Now, we wouldn't have really been surprised to find it in Mary because she sat at his feet and she's drinking in every word and surely she would be prepared for this moment to be full of faith. This, this, Mary, we, we, my goodness, she was, she was just always sitting at his feet and drinking in every word. But Martha was just like you. She was busy about other things. She had to go push a pen on Monday morning. Figure out numbers. As an accountant. She had to prepare a lesson for the school where you would teach. She had to go bid a job. I'm trying to tell you this is not out of your reach. Say, Brother Tim, I don't have the hours and the time necessary to, to dare and just sit in and drink and drink and be this woman of faith. That's not what he found in Martha. What he found in Martha was a woman who was busy. 
Amen. She was busy about other things. She had been too busy to sit at his feet. She was more worried about meal preparation and the busyness of life. She had a family to take care of. And here Martha showed her real character. Amen. And her real faith that she believed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the long-expected Redeemer. Amen. And Martha shows us that we sometimes can be so overcome with life and the business of life that even though we are that kind of people in Laodicea, amen, we're soft riches and pleasures and all these distractions and cell phones and, and the internet and all the other distractions. Amen. Oh, and, but they are capable, you are capable of having great faith. I'm preaching as Brother Branham in God of this evil age said to that faith woman. The bride. The faith woman. The promise is put before. Thy brother shall rise again. You know, faith feeds on the promises. Come on. You know, you're, you're over here looking at how little your faith is. Don't look at how little your faith is. Faith is a grain of mustard seed can move a mountain. Quit looking at how little your faith is. Start looking at how big your God is. How true are his promises that he never fails, that his promises are omnipotent, that there's power that is in his blood. Quit looking at how little your faith is and look how big God's promise is. Hallelujah. And that the promise is not just to you, but it's to your children and to them that are far off. And any, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. The promise is put before her. Thy brother shall rise again. The promise is put before you. Behold, I show you a mystery. You will not all sleep, but you shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Amen. The promise is the dead in Christ shall rise, and we're in the age for it. The promise is that we shall all be changed from mortals to immortality. The promise. Hallelujah. I don't know if I want to preach in English or other tongues right now. But oh, let the Spirit utter. Let the Spirit speak. Hallelujah. Let Him speak through us. Hallelujah. The promise is put before thy brother shall rise again. Faith feeds on the promises. It's like wood that is thrown on the flame feeds the fire. Faith will burst forth and flame high when it feeds on the promises. If we look at circumstances, we'll stagger. We will fall. 
Amen. I, I cannot look at the circumstances of our brother Ron Spencer and what he's going through. I cannot look at those circumstances. Even though, even though we get little promises and hopes and things that are dropped to us a little bit of time. This week, you know, one what, what of the great things that happens. Some months ago, he went to, to a, an eye doctor and they looked in his eye and said, here, there's cancer in your eyes. Said this melanoma, we believe it started there. And there with this melanoma in your eyes, said we think it spread from there to other things and you got melanoma in your eyes. He goes back for another eye exam this week and they said, no, we don't think it started there because there ain't even any cancer in your eyes. Last night he was having a heart attack and they rushed him to the ER. Before he can get there, all the symptoms are gone. They are baffled, don't know what it was, don't understand what it was. But you see, the devil comes in on one side and on another. But when the saints get to praying, things start changing because when omnipotent faith quits looking at the circumstances and looks at the promise, it can only be a faith when it looks at the promise. Otherwise, when it looks at the circumstances, it's only unbelief. But today we stagger not at the promise of God through unbelief, but we're strong in the faith. I'm not rain. I'm not healed. I'm not delivered. I'm not saved. I'm not is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God is a living God. He's the I am. And this is why we must keep the word of God in our hearts. Amen. We must feed upon it. Take this book and eat this book. Digest this book. Don't spit it up. It'll make your belly bitter, but don't spit it out. Keep it down. If you keep it down, it's going to come out as words. And when it comes out as words, it's going to be divine words. It's going to be mountain movement words. It's going to be more hallelujah. It's going to be words, amen, that pulls down the walls. It'll be words that open up the Red Sea. It'll be words that cause the dead and Christ to rise. It'll be the word. We must keep the word of God upon our hearts. We must feed upon it. Faith cometh by hearing. Listen to the report. Hear the report. Believe the report. That report will influence your faith. Amen. It'll cause you to believe. Amen. And by it, you'll see 
the revealing and the bearing of his mighty arm of power. Martha believed that Lazarus would indeed rise again. She believed he would raise at the last day. But she had no faith in the immediate resurrection of the body that laid in the tomb. And Jesus would have to adjust her faith from a faith that will work tomorrow to a faith that works today. Are you with me? Amen. And Jesus said, but I am the resurrection and the life. And Martha already knew right there, you know, right here is power. Because he would say, Martha, already, already, you don't have to wait on the power. You don't have to wait on the power of the resurrection that awake the dead. It's coming, yes. And I'm going to just say, there will be a resurrection in the end time, yes. There will be the power of God demonstrated in the last days, yes. It will change our bodies. Old men will become young again. Old women will become young women again. Prosthesis will be no longer needed. False teeth will go by the way of the ancients and of the discards. You'll step from mortal to immortality. But friends, there is still the resurrection of life now that if he can do that in the body, then he can heal your body now because this is the earnest of that. For if there is no divine healing, there is no resurrection. I am the resurrection in life. Resurrection powers here, Jesus said. I am it. And though a man were dead, yet shall he live. And he said, believest thou this? He's saying, Martha, if I can get you to believe, you will see the resurrection. But two omnipotents must work together. They must connect. The word of the vision has power in it. But there must be a power of faith to unite with it to bring it to pass. Because I am not just in your future, but I am the I am. Think of the force of this I am. It is the present tense of the eternal. Are you with me? Amen. At the, at the burning bush, it was Moses' first introduction to God and the first lesson that Moses had to learn. God is the I am. He is here. He is able. He is willing to do all that he promises to do now. Amen. The future is now. Amen. Men are ready to postpone it and put it off in the future and we'll have the power of God one day. But I want you to know the future is now. God is blessed in the past and he will bless in the future. That is the truth. Amen. 
we can preach sermons on how God blessed in the past. We can preach sermons on how God will bless in the future. God did the miraculous in his first coming and he will repeat them in his second coming. But what we want to believe is that the presence is now. But the problem is, is people believe the presence, the present is when God is absent. Did you hear me? That's the problem. They think God will be in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. They think God was in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah. But right now, he's absent. And doing nothing. God wants us to believe him as the I am. Come on. That's how he wants you to believe. He wants to, that's what he was doing in this day, doing the miracle, doing the miraculous, showing himself with signs and wonders, vindicating a prophet to show you that I am God. Oh, Martha said, oh, yes, Lord. Uh, you know, one day my brother will rise again. There's no doubt about it. He was a good boy. He was a wonderful boy. And I believe he lived a good life and he, he offered to shed blood and yeah, he, he'll rise again in his time, in, it, in his lot when the resurrection takes place. Oh, you know, Martha, Martha could, could say, oh yeah, he can, he'll rise again. But where is that Martha who will say, even now, whatever you ask God, he will do it. That's his message today. Amen. I am the resurrection to the dead. I am the more abundant life to all who live and believe in me. Come on, church. Like Martha, God wants to arouse your expectancy. Amen. So you can see his mighty arm being revealed. You can see his word spoken out of the mouth of his elect and his arm made bare as they triumph over their enemy. Amen. Oh, my. There again, he arouses their expectancy and says, roll away the stone. You got something to do to prove it. You got something you got to do. Roll away the hindrance. Oh, yeah, he could have spoke and, he, and cracked the stone in two and, and, and shot it into oblivion into a, a billion pieces and Lazarus come forth. But God said, Martha, you move the stone. Amen, you move the hindrance. Amen, you roll away everything and prepare for God to do the miraculous. It's time that we as a church roll away the theologies that keeps the dead dead. Come on. Amen. That we roll away the ideas of man and our own unbelief. Roll it all away. Open it up. Let God's word flow freely. Amen. We've hindered it long enough. We've held it back long enough. It's time now to let the word of God flow freely. It's time now for the dead to come out of the grave. For God to do the miraculous. Martha's faith was to be the conduit to bring Jesus and her dead brother together. And death couldn't hold him no more. Because when Martha's faith, uh, you know, was the conduit to bring Jesus and connect him, amen, to bring Jesus and connect him to the dead body of her brother, 
Charges begin to fly. Dynamo begin to happen. And a man that was in the grave four days began to rise up out of that grave. Come on, church. Amen. Because she was the, the, the conduit. And, and, and it, brought, it brought, her faith was the conduit to bring the vision and, and the dead together. Why? Corruption, Brother Branham would often say, corruption knew its master. The soul knew its maker. And a man that was dead four days stood at the voice of him who is the great I am. I'm saying to you today, let your faith be the link between the power of God and the death that holds your body in sickness. Amen. Martha's faith linked and connected the omnipotence of God with the dead body of Lazarus. And your faith will link and unlatch the power of any divine promise in any situation. God was showing us with Lazarus, there ain't a case that, that, that is too hard. There ain't a problem that is too corrupted. Amen. There isn't a body that's been too sick. There isn't a sickness too great. There is not a time when it's out of time. Because this God is an on-time God. And he's a God who moves beyond the circumstances of man. And brings together the, the faith of man and connects it with the promise of God. And the dead itself will rise. Martha's faith linked and connected with the omnipotence of God and connected that with the dead body of Lazarus and your faithful link and unlash the power of any divine promise with the need in any situation. Are you with me? Amen. Let's go on. It's been said, it's been said, no faith, no blessing. Little faith, little blessing. Great faith, Great blessing. According to our faith, so it is always done to us. You see, the saving might of God's mighty arm might be nearby and waiting close. Amen. It's there for the purpose of delivery, but it's inoperable unless we are connected to it by faith. This is why Isaiah expounds this, the, the negative side of this truth. He said, he uses the negative and said, you know, he complains that the arm of the Lord is not revealed because men have not believed the inspired report. Right. Amen. The one in John, however, declares there, which we read about in Martha, that it declares from the lips of Jesus that those who believe shall see the glory of God. Right. So one of them is extolling the negative and saying, look here, here's the problem. The reason why that you hadn't seen the arm of God is because you hadn't believed. It doesn't matter that he was wounded for your transgression if you don't believe it. It doesn't believe that you're, it matter that your iniquities are forgiven if you don't believe it. A pardon is not a pardon unless it's received as a pardon. It doesn't matter how much that the arm of the Lord has power unless the report is believed. Amen. The report is God's word. Amen. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. 
and he has borne our sickness or our griefs. And by his stripes, we were healed. The report says that God laid on Christ the iniquity of us all. Amen. The report says that you're blameless. Amen. The report says that the worthy lamb has made you worthy. That the book that John was unworthy to look upon, once it was interceded and taken by the lamb, then he was commanded to take it. The book he couldn't look at is now the book that is being taken because of the blood of the lamb who have believed this report. Then if you believe that report, then to you the arm of the Lord will be revealed. But it'll never happen unless you believe. Amen. Amen. The arm of the Lord is the power of Christ and it cannot be revealed until the report is believed. Amen. Amen. You know, the report, the report is they can't find him. The report is he's missing from the churches. The report is they haven't seen him. Now, if you believe that, you won't look there anymore. Amen. If you believe that, you'll go back to where he was left and find him there. Hallelujah. If you believe that report, you'll find Jesus at Pentecost again. You'll find that he's still the same Jesus. Amen. That what he says confounds the priest. Amen. It heals the sick. It casts out devils. It raises the dead. It does the miraculous. You'll find he's still the same God that he was in the book of Acts. This is what the arm of the Lord can do. But it must be connected with faith to do so. John eleven forty 40, said I not to thee, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. You see, God's arm, when it's outstretched and it's laid bare, it has enormous power. You know, the spirit doesn't have an arm. Come on, somebody help me preach this morning. Come on. The spirit doesn't have an arm. This is an analogy that is given where it speaks of the spirit of God doing a work on the earth. When he saves with his outstretched arm. Amen. This is the spirit of God moving through his people. He has no hands but your hands, no feet but your feet. No eyes but your eyes, no arm but your arms, no mouth but your mouth. He would have to bury a prophet's body to speak through in this day. Amen, to get a message across to you if it's of any count, it has to borrow my body to preach a sermon. He borrows my body to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen, he borrows the body of believers. And he can do that because of the blood. Before Calvary, he would have to create a body and step in it. But after Calvary, he is sanctified by one offering. Amen. All of us forever. I said forever. Amen. And he can borrow your body. And you ought to be a person. Say, God, here's my body. Here's my flesh. Here I am. I want to surrender miles to you that you can speak for me, live for me, act for me. That you can manifest your glory. 
Brother Branham was standing there in the platform, and he said, now Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God, and he cannot come, because when he comes, he says, we'll be changed. But he says, right now, he can't come, but he can come and borrow my body. Oh, that there be a people today that would yield their bodies, their members, people who would pray till it wasn't them talking anymore, but the Spirit now talking through them. God's arm, when it's outstretched and laid bare, is given in the Scripture. It signifies the energy of the Most High. It's first used when God speaks to Moses and says, I will redeem them with an outstretched arm. And after crossing the Red Sea, there were two million voices that were rejoicing with glad triumphant shouts. And Miriam would dance because the arm of the Lord was revealed in such power that it held back the Red Sea and then it let it flood back, destroying their enemy. Hallelujah. Oh, I'll tell you, church, when that arm of the Lord starts being revealed and you begin to see he's God, the same yesterday, today, and forever, like it was that day when I was preaching February the 18th when Sister Alana ran around this platform coming out, uh, this uh, this, uh, congregation coming out from the mezzanine. You remember it? Amen. What was it? What was it? She saw the arm of the Lord in power. That there was a Bible Jesus, a Bible God, a Bible doctrine, a Bible truth. And we had returned back to a Bible church. Hallelujah. And when she saw her enemy was dead, she ran around and around the building rejoicing. Hallelujah, last Sunday when the choir was singing, Jesus is mine, Jesus is mine. There's a name that is written in glory and it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. People begin to rejoice and run around this building. You know why? Because they saw and I am God. They saw Jesus is mine. They saw he's not a distant God, but he's a present God. I'll tell you what, when my wife ran around this room here last Sunday, she went back home, a new woman, and been cleaning her house and cooking and helping around the place with a renewed energy. Because Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Because there's a name written in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. When the doctor said there could be no hair, we've seen him heal the blinded eyes. We've seen him restore. We've seen him come and change lives. We've seen him come and move. Because when you get a look at the I am God, and you see him as the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you begin to see his power on display. The arm of the Lord revealed. Hallelujah. 
And the next day, there was no cancer revealed in Sister Alanis. Amen. In her chart, no cancer. Why? The arm of the Lord had been laid bare. And the arm of the Lord had dealt a death blow to cancer. And the prophecy had come forth in the pulpit. Your enemy is dead. Your enemy is dead. Your enemy is dead. And I'll tell you, that's not a God of yesterday. That is a God of the I am. He is a God present, the God our healer, the God with an outstretched arm. When somebody will believe it. Hallelujah. It'll make Miriam dances. It'll make joy in the camp. It'll make the shout of the king. It'll put joy unspeakable and full of glory. It'll put where people can't sit in their seats anymore because they are extolling the great power of the almighty God that he is not a dead God, but he's the same God that we have found him at Pentecost, that we have found him in the book of Acts, that we have found him in Paul's gospel, and we have returned. Miriam could dance because the arm of the Lord was revealed in such power that it held back the Red Sea and then let it flood back destroying the enemy. Throughout the Old Testament, it's a common phrase of poets and prophets of Israel describing God's redeeming power, the bared arm of God. Throughout the Bible, it is called to awake. Oh my, to awake. It would have to give out on me this time. I'm not through yet. Amen. Throughout the Bible, the arm of God is called on to awake and put on strength. Amen. Throughout Bible history, because of the unbelief of Israel, think about it. Because of their unbelief, the arm of God would lay inoperable. Amen. And other times when faith was present, it would reveal itself in vigorous and effective and powerful with strength. Oh, there's a direct relationship between God's strength of his saving might and faith. God's great arm was revealed at the Red Sea, making a path through its depths only to rest and sleep while Israel wandered in the wilderness because they believed not his word. In the days of Joshua, the arm of the Lord was revived again. It was revealed in power at the River Jordan. Amen. It would divide that river asunder when it was at flood stage. Isn't this amazing? God doesn't wait until it's just a trickle going through. He waits until it's flood stage. Amen. He makes a passage for the children of Israel. God a lot of times do that for you. He'll wait till it gets a flood. You think it can't get no worse than this, and here comes another. You can't think it'll not get any worse than this, and here comes another. Amen. But it's in those kind of times that Jesus shows up on the scene and bears his mighty arm. Amen. He would, he would dare, he would make a passage through the Red Star, through, the, through the, the Jordan River. It would throw down the walls of Jericho. Amen. It would chase and flight the armies of the aliens. It would stop the sun and hold it back. Hold back the darkening shadows of the night and give a promised land to a chosen race because Joshua never wavered in his faith. 
But again, it would sink paralyzed and powerless to rest during the days of the judges when people ceased to exercise the faith to which nothing was impossible. Whenever the fire of faith would gleam and it would sometimes spark up from those ashes during the days of Gideon and Barak and Jephthah and Samson, instantly the arm of the Lord was made bare. You'd see God coming in the days of Gideon. Said, it's not going to be by might or power. I can't use what you got. I can't use those that are fearful and unafraid. Afraid. I cannot use those who are bowing to idols. I cannot use that. Let me get just a remnant. Let me get 300. I found 300. And with 300, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy the millions of the Midianites. Because if I can get to 300 believing, it's a lot better than, uh, than thousands upon thousands of those that are bowing their knee to Baal. And those who are fearful and, unfra- and are, are afraid. I say, if you're afraid, go home. I say, if you're without courage, it's time to leave. This is the hour for the courageous. This is for the hour for the people who know their God. Amen. Who are confident in that God because they, them kind will be the kind that does exploits. Are you with me? Amen. So again, it would be, it would be revealed in the days when David, David's faith realized that the living God was still amongst his people. And he was well able to save without, without a coat of mail or a spear or a shield or a sword. But in the following days of those faithless kings, the arm of the Lord becomes dormant and allowed the enemies of God to overtake and they would enslave God's chosen people. We're taught in the book of Hebrews that all the exploits and, and episodes of God's people, they were all due to a faith which believed that God was a present source. He was a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When Jesus came, the arm of the Lord was in him. For he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus never worked a miracle unless there was faith exhibited. The centurion, the Syrophoenician woman, you know, no matter who it was, she was this Syrophoenician woman was accounted as a dog. There was a leper who was an outcast of that society. But they could only draw virtue from him that would heal them and deliver them and save them if they believed. And they did this while the bulk of the rest of the nation and especially those of his childhood friends down in Nazareth would miss the blessings of seeing God's arm revealed. They missed seeing his great power manifested because of their unbelief. Jesus could do no mighty miracles among them. I'll assert today that the terrible conditions that we're finding in the world is due to cause of his persistent unbelief. Unbelief is at its all times high. Amen. Our, our nation has went in its democracy with its freedoms to the extremes, to freedoms that was never even intended by the original, uh, the original writers 
of the, and authors of the Constitution. They never dreamed they would take freedom to the extent that men would marry men and women marry women. They never took it to the extent of thinking that, that you know, that freedom would mean the right to kill the unborn. When they had written laws to protect the very citizenship of the, of the nation. Amen. We, we have sunk down so low in unbelief. And today, what can you believe? There, the Sodom is clamoring at the door. You can see it there, even the righteous who are trying to stand for some type of, of uh, being conservative and under, have an understanding. And they're, they're gathering outside of their homes. They're knocking at their doors. They're writing down their streets. Amen. They're, they're doing exactly what they did in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And don't think that, uh, that Canada is exempt because if, if America is Sodom, they are Gomorrah. Right now, they're, they're pushing a bill in the nation of Canada that, that if, if passed, then, then, to them, then churches would receive thousands of dollars of fines for preaching against homosexual lifestyles or refusing to, to, to uh, honor gay marriages. They're forcing their, their so-called rights in the face of everybody else. Are you with me? Sodom and Gomorrah is on its is on the on the lease. It is going there. But I want you to know that there is a people outside of Sodom. They are not Lot who is worried about politics. They're not Lot who's worried about keeping the mayor position and sitting at the gate of the city. They are the seed of Abraham and they have had the mystery revealed to them. And they see there's an end old time God, a God who is a present God, a God who's not forgot his promise, a God that something is happening and I've got some news for you, some grand news this morning that Sarah is expecting. is pregnant with child. That Sarah, that bride, is bringing forth Christ again in this last day. I got some news. Let it be heard everywhere that there is a bride that is pregnant. Bringing forth Christ to say yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation 5 shows the book of man's lost estate and the right hand of God upon the throne. And a lamb representing our kinsman goes and takes the book. He had been slain at Calvary. But here is the transfer of title of the lost estate back into the hands of man. It leads from being held in the right hand of God, representing the power of God, that no one who was unworthy could take uh, and to take the, the legal transferring of the lost estate back in the hands of a man, it had to take someone worthy. Right. It called for a worthy man. That worthy man was the same Lamb of Calvary. He was now advancing in his redeeming work. He is now taking the book of the lost inheritance and bringing back the lost estate to man again. And it does not remain in heaven in the hands of the, uh, of the Lamb, but it transfers into, 
entered by the Spirit into the mighty angel, only Christ it could be, in, a, in an anointing that comes down, that puts his foot upon the land and the sea. And the book is open. And when, when the book is open to those on earth, seven thunders utter their voices. And when, it, when he utters a voice, it is, it is the breaking of the silence that has been held up for thousands of years that now become known to an end time people. Are you with me? I want you to know, friends, God's silence has been broken. People, listen to me right now. People have been looking for him. Amen. But the silence, his silence that was deadening, it's a deadening silence missing him in Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, message churches, everywhere, a silence. God isn't there. It's a piece of silence. He's missing. But I want you to know there's a people that the silence has been broken to. Because Christ has come down with an open book and it's an unsealed book. And now the mysteries are made known. But it doesn't just end there with a prophet and his message. It continues on with the people digesting and eating that book and becoming one with that word and prophesying again. And we are in the days where it's the days we are mandated to speak. Because it's only in the speaking that the arm of the Lord is revealed. When it was revealed in a prophet's ministry, the arm of the Lord would be laid bare. To be revealed in the bride's ministry, the arm of the Lord is laid bare. But what God doing to do that? It takes an unleashing of faith, connecting with the promise. For you to start expecting to be the recipient of the lost estate that Adam lost, the the loss, come on now, the loss to dominion, the loss of the rights of sons. I want you to get it, amen. Notice to be given his title is not enough. Amen, it's not enough to even hand it to a prophet. Somebody help me preach. Amen. The lamb must be taken. That's why we've been preaching on the people, the book, because we are the people of the book is the one who owns the land. We are the people of the promise. We are the people of the lost estate. Are you with me? But giving the book of Testament to Moses was not enough to reveal its mysteries and what God said and God said and God said and thou shalt and thou shalt not was not enough. The land must be taken. And Joshua was commanded to take the land. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. Hallelujah. Amen. This is where we have come to, friend. We are part of that Joshua commission of people who are taking the land. This is the land where milk and honey flows. 
This is a land where divine healing is. This is a land where joy unspeakable is. This is a land where every gift of God is. This is a land where every promise of the book is mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I'm not a slave, and I can ditch my slave mentality. I'm not of Egypt. The reproach of Egypt has been washed off of me, and I have been circumcised by this word, and I am claiming my land. I am claiming my inheritance. How many people feel that way this morning? Amen. To say, God said, don't be dismayed. Don't you be discouraged. Don't you be discouraged, little bride. Do not fear. Over and over, three times he says it. Do not fear. Quit fearing. Quit being afraid. Take your land. Take your promise. Take it. Claim it. Speak it. It's a mandate to speak. It's a mandate to take the promise. I've given to you. Walls will fall down. At a shout, at words coming out of a people. Are you ready for your walls to come down? Amen. Are you ready for your enemies to run before you? Are you ready for God to give more light where the, every enemy is destroyed? And God said, put your feet on the neck of your enemies. I've given you this land. And every king is going to come down and be surrendered to the will and work of God. Is there a people who believe that report? Amen. Who have believed this report? Then to them the arm of the Lord is revealed. Stand to your feet and worship him right now. Hallelujah. The arm of the Lord will be revealed to you this morning. If I can get you to believe, to connect with your need to faith with God's promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Here's my body, Lord. Here's my flesh, Lord. Here's me, Lord. Speak through me. Lord, let me be connected with the promise. My faith connected with what you've said. Lord, where I quit fear and I'm not dismayed, but the Lord thy God is with thee. I'll not leave you or forsake you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let the musicians come. Just worship God just a moment. Come on. Is worshiping. Let the Spirit speak. Hallelujah. Let the Spirit speak. You're under a mandate to speak. Not nonsense, not the ideas of man. It's time you speak as a son of God. What about your situation? What about your situation? If I can get you to unite your faith, you say, Brother Tim, I'm Martha, I've been so busy. But Martha, it's you. It's you that he's looking for. It's that Martha here in this last days that he's looking for somebody. If I can just find faith, if I can find somebody that believed the report, I'll reveal my arm. I want to reveal my arm through them. It's time for the image to speak. It's time. It's time for you to utter the words of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
spirit of prophecy is here. The Holy Spirit's moving. He's right here in our midst. Hallelujah. He is here moving in our midst. I worship you. Can you sing that, Andrew? Get it playing. He's here. He's here. He's here to bind up the brokenhearted. He's here to fix the marriages. He's here to heal the complexes. He's here to heal your diseases. He's here to bear his arm on your behalf. You got lost loved ones? Martha, they're dead. They're hopeless. But even now, even now, Lord. Amen. But they, they, they have, oh, they've done awful. Even now. Connect with the promise right now. Connect it. So I, I, I've got a special need, Brother Tim. I've got desire in my heart. That's the choir song, man. I let the choir come. What's the name of that? He's the way maker. Why, yeah, he's the way maker. He's the arm of the Lord. He's being revealed in his people today. Amen. He's here to move in your midst. He's here to heal your sick. He's here to deliver you. Amen. Ron Spencer, you hear what I what we're gonna sing? Waymaker. Hallelujah. Remember the little dream that come out right there on your that day you would go to the hospital. And a woman who had never heard this saw the presence of God there with you, dealing with you in your room. Can you believe it? She was a Catholic woman. Called up a friend and said, I, I don't know who this is, but there's a man and a woman. They got a need. They were in the room and they were there. And I saw them, God dealing with them. And I heard, I never heard this before, but I heard these words saying, wig maker, miracle worker. He's here moving in our midst, church. He's still God. Amen, he's here to do the, what people think he can't do, the impossible. Your situation ain't as bad as Lazarus. But let me tell you, God's still God. And he's here in the same power, the same promise, waiting for you to believe it. Amen, waiting for you to connect your faith with it. He's here to move in your midst. Oh yeah, this is unrehearsed. That's all right, that's when it works the best. Amen. Amen, he's here to move in your midst. He's here to do exceeding abundantly. Above that which you're able to think or ask according to the power that worketh within us. How many believe he's the way maker? Hey man, he was for Martha. He was the way back to life for Lazarus. Hey man, he was the way for me. He's the way for you. Hey man, you gotta have him. Invite him to come work in your midst this morning. 
invite him to speak to your heart, to your life, to reveal himself to you. Amen. That's him. That's him. Oh, God. Thank you for holding COVID back so we could do this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Martha's. Thank you for men and women. Thank you, Almighty God. Oh, yes. That's what Mary said. My soul doesn't magnify the Lord. It ought to make you magnify him this morning. Just speak out of it. Just let it release. Been pinned up and held back by, by stones and sorrow and trouble. Why don't you think Jesus has been so far away? But he's right here. Right here. He ain't left you. Don't be dismayed. Don't fear. I'm with you wherever you go. For today, I have given to you this land. I'm speaking prophecy to somebody. Today, he has given you this land. What you've been looking for, what you've been missing in your life, what you've been longing for, what you've been asking for, he's given it. Bereft of the power of God, Jesus is here. He's in our midst. You are here moving in our midst. Wow, there's another Pentecost taking place right here. Another book of Acts being wrote. The Holy Ghost moving. Bringing deliverance to his people. Oh, this will make the barren to sing. This will make the mother embrace children in the barren rejoice. It'll make a barren church shout. Sarah is pregnant. She's not a barren church anymore. Jesus is here. He's the same God to manifest himself in glory and in power. Let him move in your midst today. Take and claim your promise.